We are what we do, and we do what we choose. And that means to me that our behavior defines our identity, and our choices create reality that we're going to live out. So today will be the second part of our podcast on positivity. We're going to speak to Bill Johnson, who is a former sociology instructor, who has also taken on the positivity framework developed by Dr. De La Pena. We're going to speak to Mr. Johnson, as well as Dr. Pena, about how you can take those concepts and apply them to your life. So Dr. Johnson, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Bill Johnson, and I have been a colleague of Derek's for the last seven years, and I just went into retirement. I'm here today because on the concepts that we've been talking about, I was highly impacted by Derek when I first met him, and I'd kind of like to tell the story, if that's okay. I, I was in the hallway across from Derek, and we both started at our college at the same time. And Derek was always very positive. He'd show up every day, and he was exuding this positive stuff and and hopefulness. And, you know, people make social presentations, and you don't ever know what's necessarily beneath the social presentation. So I kind of observed him for a while. And I think to understand how this impacted me, you need to understand, without going into too much depth, I have been always fear-based. Uh, that's been my thorn uh, that I've had to deal with. We all have thorns. We all have stuff that we have to deal w- what with. What does fear-based mean? Fear-based means that I would wake up every morning and I would see threats in my environment. And so your motivation was not more seeking positivity, but I to wanted, avoid things that I wanted you to survive yeah. and ha- be in control, and I wanted to survive the fear. I saw fear. Okay. And uh, that came from some dark places growing up, molestation, other stuff. So that was the theme in my life. And when I met Derek, I was like, gosh, I really would like some of that positivity stuff. When When I understood that what he was talking about was real and it wasn't just social presentation. So I, uh, I started a relationship with him and and we got very close Derek and I have been like brothers I think and it's been really good but what what I've taken from all of this is I have gone from being this fear-based person this let's just stay in control thing to over the last seven eight years I have probably even exceeded Derek (laughs) at my college Mm -hmm. in terms of people seeing me as hopeful, positive, kind. They know me as the Hope Hallway person where people can come to our offices and have that kind of atmosphere. And, and And I've been the guy. And that really is the result of my relationship with Derek and the concepts that he uh, shared with me and that I then was able to look at, I do think that there's a lot of importance in this statement that I want to share right now, which is my, my stuff. We are what we do and we do what we choose. And that means to me that our behavior defines our identity and our choices create 
the reality that we're going to live out. There's a lot of ways to look at the concepts in Derek's book. There's a lot of ways to look at the concepts in any therapy or any psychology. But what you do with that and what your choices are are going to and, and I was able to really behave based on that. Does that make any sense, Derek? Absolutely. And first I'll say that, yes, he did for sure pass me up by far being the <laughs> hopeful, positive guy, which I really enjoyed seeing. You know, here's a man that was 63 when I met him. And by the time he's 70, when he's retiring, he's telling everybody that those last seven years were the best years of his life. Right. And so for me to watch him and his influence and I knew he was an influencer that had a few things holding him back. For whatever reason, my intuition uh, picked up on that early. And the more I encouraged him and to see somebody take concepts, put their own spin on them and then go affect people is, is, you know, it's one of the greatest joys that I have as as a human. He has a lot of trials that he's overcome. And people are just simply drawn to his, to him. And when he left, uh, you could see the tears from not just the students, from the faculty, from the staff, from you name it. So he has a lot of wisdom. So I'm, you know, blessed and honored to, to be here. And thank you, Bill, for saying such kind words. I really appreciate Same it. Same to you. <laughs> that was nice. So tell me then, you know, you have this sort of framework that you've built for how to, you know, keep positivity in your life. Explain to me how how you apply that. Not just in your actions, but in just in the way you think on a daily basis. How do you shift from, you know, I'm a guy who's in a fear mode to a guy who tries to seek out positivity and therefore it changes your well-being? Oh, man, I think that's an excellent question and I'm glad you asked that. I, I think it's really important for me or for anybody. Uh, let me give you some further background. I I worked at the Veterans Administration doing uh trauma work with uh, surviving war veterans and also running a blind program uh, for about 34 years. And during that time, I really came to believe in a framework on, on how we change. Once I met Derek and I was able to put his concepts with the positivity and hope, he hadn't written his book yet, but we talked a lot about this stuff. And I was able to apply all of this together, and, and uh, that really was the key. The first thing I want to say on, in answer to your question is you got to be willing to do the work. Since I've been 23 or 24, I've had to get up every day and do about 30 to 45 minutes of what I call my work. And I have to switch over from this fear-based controlling person that is built into me from all of my experiences. And I've had to go into what I call my awareness brain, which is my choice. And uh, I've been doing that for a long time. And so I think you have to do the work. And to make it as simple as possible, I think that there's a process that we all have to go through. And that is we have to have a moment of insight we perceive that insight and then once we make a perception and have a perception of that insight we go down a pathway and whatever's down there that's where that we are what we do we do what we choose thing comes in into play 
And in answer to your question, in order to change, when you do your work, you have to have persistence. You have to show up every day and do it. You have to be patient because it's going to take a long time. We all want an immediate gratification. We all want to change our dark self right away, our shadow self, our, our issues. We want them to go away right away. That's not going to happen. They're part of you, and you've got to do the work every day with persistence. You've got to be patient with yourself and with the process. And you've got to keep your perspective. You've got to keep your eyes on the horizon and move toward that, and you start to realize things change. And so little by little over my life, I've changed, but I was really struggling with trying to make that final leap. And, and uh, you know, I'm not even sure my wife or my grandkids would say I've made it totally yet, but I think I've, I really have. And uh, that leap had to do with my relationship with Derek, talking about this stuff. And now that he's written this book and has these concepts, I, I can tell you that, that they're, they're dead, dead on. They work. How do you go from having to deal with something that's very internal to how you act externally? So let me, let me give you a very clear example. Uh, I was 23, and I was sitting in a parking lot in Lufkin, Texas, in a Walmart, and I was having a panic attack. I couldn't get out of the car. I looked around, and I saw these people who were walking into the parking, walking into the Walmart, smiling, excited, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I've, I've been given a pretty good upbringing, even though I've had some bad stuff happen, and I got all these, I got this talent, and I got these, I'm just as good as they are, why can't I do that? What's going on? And that was that moment of insight I was talking about. Now, once you have that insight, it's important how you perceive it. I can't get out of this car. They, they may, some, I, I can't do that. Or perception, yeah, I'm just as good as they are, and I'm willing to, to get out of this car, and nothing's, I can do this. And so you have your insight, you have your perception, and then you have to act, you have to behave. And so... I forced myself to get out of the car. I went into Walmart. That was the beginning, but obviously it took a very, very, very long time to go from inside to external behavior and comfort level. But you have to behave and you have to have the courage to keep doing that every day and force yourself to do it. That's where that persistence, that per patience, and that perspective sort of uh, stays with you. So in answer to your question, uh, I forced myself to get out of the car. Uh, I went into Walmart, and then every day after that, whenever I felt fear, I did the opposite. I, I, I honestly, the conception I had in my head was fear choice versus growth choice. I can stay with my fear, or I can go through the uncertainty and grow. And every time, every time I felt fear, it was like a bell going off in my head. I'm going to choose the growth choice. I'm going to be uncomfortable in the moment, and then I'm going to grow and change long-term. It's a short-term pain for long-term gain thing. And I forced myself to do that. So do you feel like, you know, because a lot of people assume that your state of mind, you know, affects your actions. And what you're trying to say is sometimes your action can 
spur your state of mind instead. Exactly. Our, that Back to what, what I said earlier, that our behavior defines our identity and our choices create our reality. If, if I hadn't forced myself to get out of the car, if I didn't force myself every day to make that growth choice instead of that fear choice, then I am letting that fear dominate me and I'm going to stay in that mode. Whereas if I behave, I'm not going to, it's not going to go away. I'm not going to feel totally great all of a sudden, but every day it's like a little brick that you're putting in the wall and you're, you're, you're building the, wa- you're, you're building the whole thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And John, if you don't mind me interjecting and just based on our conversations, I would hear him talk the way he's talking. You know, for example, he emphasized some of the P's, right, of, of yeah. the P chapter. You probably picked up on that, right? Patience, persistence, and perspective. And so our conversations, I would say, okay, Bill, that, that's so interesting. And you're talking really about yourself here, right? Like your own self, your own challenges, etc. And I would say, but Bill, you know, you have a big purpose, right? B- P for purpose that has to do with influencing others, right? So we have listeners that are listening and they're thinking about themselves, right? And so I would say things to him like, well, when you're interacting with somebody, you're very good at being patient with them. You're very good at encouraging them to be persistent. You're very good at helping them have a certain perspective. That's your joy calling, right? Like when you're dealing with others now. And so when you have these gears, like we're just in the P chapter here, right? And, and so when you have two gears, right? A happiness gear and a joy gear. And when you become aware of it and you have these moments, like he's saying, these insights, you move forward, whether it's one brick to yourself that you need to take care of. Uh, ultimately, where we're going to find that internal purpose, joy, etc., how are we influencing others? Are we? Are we stuck in the car having a panic attack and we just can't get out, right? So how do you go to me? Because a lot of people say, okay, well, that, yeah, that's how it starts. But what is it that kind of sustains this journey that you go through? Like, wh- how do you, you know, you said like it's like a brick, you're building a wall and it's just every day mm-hmm. you're adding to it. But what is it about your daily actions that you go from that very beginning to it? Because I'm sure there's no goal here. It's a process that you're trying to adopt and hang on to. So how do you make that process a part of your life beyond just that initial spark? Well, I think you have to have a routine and you have to have discipline. I've been blessed, you know, among the things I wasn't blessed with. And sometimes I, 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 you know, was the, the things that happened to me. But one of the things I was blessed with was... I was given an upbringing with some internal strengths and people need to have a sense of discipline and a sense of responsibility for themselves and I had those. There's a a book out called Strength Finders and uh, I've taken those tests and I rate highly on adaptability and those the discipline thing. So I, I just think you have to, as I said, you have to show up every day and you've got to be willing to do the work. And more than that, you're going to have moments when you doubt and when you want to just give it up. Because, again, I, we, we have to understand 
all of us got to understand what we want. We want it to happen much more quickly than it's going to happen. Change does not happen the way that it does in the, uh, some of our media portrayals where it can happen so quickly. It, it, it happens little by little, step by step. And once you accept that and buy into that, I think it's easier to have that discipline and I think it's easier to have that perseverance and that persistence. I like to think in images, and I'm having a senior moment. <laughs> uh, the tortoise and the hare. The hare never crosses the finish line, ever. He wants it too quickly. The tortoise, step by step, day by day, and the tortoise wins the race every time. And, and that really is the case. And that's, I guess, in answer to your question, how I would sustain myself in my everyday doing the work is if I, I know if I don't do that work. And even today, I'm 70 years old, I'm 70 plus years old, and I have to get up at 5 or 5.30 every morning. And before I came today, I had to get up and I had to go through that process that I go through to be the person I am here right now. Because if I wasn't, if I hadn't done that, I promise you that dark side, that shadow side would be here and there would be grumpiness. There would be, uh, look, I'm known as Grandpa Grumps to my grandkids. There's a reason for that, <laughs> uh, you know, because they, they know me. But that we all have those sides and we just got to do our work. That's what I'm talking about. How do you feel that this applies to somebody? Because, I mean, you're talking about just your, your mentality and your own journey. How does this work with somebody who's dealing with mental illness or addiction and stuff like that? Would this be more of a sort of supplemental thing in, in addition to, like, say, treatment or, or no? Oh, I think it's what treatment and therapy is really all about. In my work with trauma victims, you know, you can put lots of different conceptions, lots of different faces on what we're doing, but what we're really trying to do, let me just take trauma victims. Um, once you've experienced trauma in some way, whether it's being raped, whether it's being molested, whether it's killing someone in combat, you get in touch with a vulnerability that most people never get in touch with, a loss of choice and a loss of power, and they never ever want to have that feeling ever again. And so at that point, the trauma victim's strategy becomes to be in control at all times. And once that happens, whatever it is, you can't undo those things. It's not, it's not going away. And at that point, there's a creature in your backyard. And that creature, you look at it and you try to pretend it's not there. And you try to pretend it's going to go away but it just keeps getting bigger and it keeps getting bigger and it's never going to go away. Your job is to go out and learn to make friends with the creature and adapt to it and accept it. In answer to your question, follow this process of insight that creature's never going away. Perception. I can't live with this and so it's awful and terrible and oh my God, as opposed to okay, it's a new normal. I can still make friends with the creature. I can still go out into the backyard. And then we've got to make these choices every day. And we've got to learn to face up to that. 
and we've got to accept it and we've got to quit trying to go back to the way it used to be because you're never not going to have that creature in your backyard. So I think what we're talking about here with Derek's positivity, with his hopefulness, with the things we're talking about here, I I think that that is the essence of therapy and that it applies. Of course you need psychiatry. Of course you need medication sometimes. Of course you need all of that stuff. I'm not saying that. But ultimately the goal here is to get people to have these kind of uh, approaches to whatever issues they're dealing with. How did you come into this field? You know, because, I mean, you, you discovered this later on in your career. Kind of what led you to this sort of profession? And then when, what was your way of looking at this before? Um, I was reacting to my father. <laughs> uh, my father wanted me to be a uh, doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to show him, no matter what, that I wasn't going to be a doctor because I came into this field because my father was a PTSD war veteran, mm. and he was very controlling and authoritarian in order to let himself feel safe and uh, in order to not have to deal with that creature in his backyard. And so uh, I probably unconsciously came into it, uh, the field that way, but I also, I was, whatever my father was telling me to do, I was going to do the opposite. And so the worst thing I could have done for my father is become a social worker, which mm-hmm. started me, it's how I started into the field. Because okay. there was not going to be a lot of income. Uh, I was not going to, uh, I, it wasn't the doctor path he wanted me for. So I think I was reacting to him. But once that happened, I've made my own path, and here I am. And what was your sort of philosophy about, I mean, because, again, you, you came into this positivity later on. What was it before? Like, I honestly believe that in the first part of life, we are searching for happiness. And happiness is an external thing. We're working to get the, the best car, perhaps, the, the best job, more money, all of these external things. The thing about that is happiness, you have to keep doing it every day. You have to keep achieving it every day. And it gets exhausting. And I think that was my philosophy for the longest time, as it is for most people's. We want happiness. But I think that there's another aspect to that that I've been able to transition into because of all the work I've had to do because of the suffering, because of the issues I've dealt with. And that is what I would call joy. And joy is something that's much more internal. And we don't have to cross over into a whole bunch of uh, spiritual stuff here. But when you have joy, when you connect with something greater than yourself, then I think that's not something you have to earn every day. That's something you have. It can't be taken away from you. And so... The first part of my life, I was involved in happiness pursuit, and I wanted, just like everybody else does, I wanted the best-looking family, the best-looking car, the nicest house, and I didn't have that because I was following the social work path, so <laughs> I, I Those tri- are not options as a social worker. No, that wasn't. <laughs> So I, you know, I tried to be the best social worker I could be, the most caring person. That was my social persona. I was going to help the homeless. I was going to do all that. And, and, and I did that. But I had to earn that every day. I had to do it. 
and eventually somewhere well before I met Derek I started to cross over into the joy thing but I didn't know how to what that meant but I knew that I didn't have to earn all of that stuff all the time and I think when I met Derek uh, and we started talking about the positivity and the hope that kind of all went together with that internal stuff and uh, that's what was what I found so helpful because I was able to put a put some terms to it you know for me personally I'm struggling because you're retired now and you won't be in my office right across the street and so I'm human too yeah I like to play with concepts but sometimes I, I fall into these little states of mind like okay the fall's starting and I'm not gonna have this guy that's right across the <laughs> table from me and so I'm digressing and um, but at the same time I'm hanging out with the concepts I mean the V chapter vulnerability victory that's really your world and when I watch you touch people it is through that chapter, if you will, right? Going into these dark places and, and being authentic and giving frameworks and images. And, and ultimately, people go there with you. They end up, I see them, I watch them, whether it's a student or faculty member or stranger, right? They go there with you and there's a concept you're percolating on and then you, you seem to come out, it, come out of it and you always have the same thing. You, Does this make any sense? And, and, and most are like, yeah, thank you. I, I needed that moment. Vulnerability is such a strength. Oh, absolutely. And authenticity is such a strength. And, you know, back to your question, uh, the first part of my life, I did not see vulnerability or authenticity as a strength. Mm -hmm. I was shame. Mm -hmm. It was shame. Yep. You're not supposed to be that way. That's so, so false. And so I don't mind talking about these kind of things and using self-disclosure because I honestly am reinforcing myself when I see that. I, I think that that's, that is a strength mm -hmm. and uh, that's a pathway forward. Uh, and I think that's something important for people to understand. The more authentic you are and the more vulnerable you are about your dark self, your struggles, we all have them. We're mm -hmm. all spend time in our furnaces we all have creatures in our backyard in some way shape or form and the more we are authentic and vulnerable about and, and your book talks about that with, and with barriers right like we yeah you there, always point I, that I, out I've to me i've got to tell bill there, there's a place where too much information um can get out of hand right so that's we, right we need to be mindful um not everybody wants to go talk about the dark creatures have to have discretion we have to have uh yeah we, we we need to every conversation needs to be really valued that it can help somebody but look there's hurting people i mean we need to be compassionate smart humans when we're interacting with concepts when we're talking about positivity a lot of people the power of positive thinking and all that they they think that that's a shallow concept and that's not, I think, what either one of us are, are talking about because the fact is when someone's hurting, when someone's struggling, it doesn't do, we're not talking about just saying, oh, well, think more positively because that's, that is uh, detrimental and destructive to that person. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an affront to them. Mm -hmm. uh, Almost dismissive. It like, is. Suck it up and be more positive and look right. at the rainbows. Can't what we're really them? talking about is, is, is getting in there, being empathetic, but offering a sense of hope and mm -hmm. a pathway forward. Mm -hmm. 
and and what I'm talking about in this whole thing, is, I think that on my on my office wall, I had a saying that I was really proud of, is that hope is when you have a pathway forward, responsibility is when you are willing to walk on it. The point of that is, I really do think that this is the whole conversation. We need pathways forward, and positivity and hopefulness and all that give us that. But we still have to do the work. We have to be responsible. We have to walk on those pathways ourselves. We have to be willing to do that. And if we don't do that, then nothing ever changes. Well, thank you all both for coming to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Alvin Community College Radio. I'm John Tompkins. To read these stories and more, visit alvincollege.edu.